0: Ephesians chapter number 4 and verse number 14. Paul writes and he says, Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. And then Hebrews chapter number 3 verse 12 through 14 The writer of Hebrews says, Be careful then, dear brothers and sisters. Make sure that your own hearts are not evil and unbelieving, turning you away from the living God. You must warn each other every day while it is still day, so that none of you will be deceived by sin and hardened against God. For if we are faithful to the end, trusting God just as firmly as when we first believed We will share in all that belongs to Christ. I want to uh, emphasize a couple of uh, phrases in these verses that are very powerful. The last of verse number 14 of Ephesians 4. Paul says we will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. And then the writer of Hebrews says, Warn each other every day so that none of you will be deceived by sin and hardened against God. The title of my message today is The Master of Sly. The Master of Sly. Father, I just pray today, Father, for this uh, time in your word today. Father, I just I I just sense an urgency in my spirit today, a seriousness in my spirit today. Holy Spirit, I pray that you will show up in this house today. Holy Spirit, I pray that you will do what I am unable to do. Holy Spirit, I pray that you will do your work of conviction today in the heart of the people that need to receive it. Father, in the name of Jesus, have your way today, your anointing to rest upon the message and the messenger. Open our ears and most of all, our hearts to hear the word today. In Jesus' name, all of God's people said, Praise the, Praise the Lord. You may be reseated this morning. Satan is the master of sly. Some synonyms of this word sly are crafty, sneaky, tricky, scheming, cunning. And deceitful. Satan's mission statement is found in John chapter 10 and verse 10. And it is to steal and to kill and to destroy. We need to understand today that Satan's ultimate goal is to destroy our life. And he will do absolutely everything in his power to sabotage our relationship with God. To rob us of the joy of the Lord. To take from us the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. To destroy our desire to be pleasing to God and and to fulfill our God-given destiny. The devil has a unique strategy for every single person. He understands that not one size fits all. And so he will work on each one of us individually. He will work on one person and then he'll work on another, but he works in different ways. He is constantly uh, crafting uh, plans and devising schemes and practicing deceit. And if one thing doesn't work, then he is quick to try another. And if that doesn't work, then another, and then another, and on and on and on he goes. He is the master of sly, he's very tricky. He deceives people by taking truth and and twisting it ever so slightly. He he takes good things and and he distorts them just a little. He, He plants tiny seeds of doubt in the minds of the people of God. And then he waters them day after day after day after day. He, he places questions in the minds of God's people. Questions like like the question that he asked Adam and Eve, Did God really say? Questions like, Does God really mean? Questions like, Are you sure about all of this God and Jesus stuff? Or, or is Jesus like the tooth fairy and Santa Claus? And guess who Satan does all of his dirty work through? Guess whose hands and whose feet and whose tongue he uses people? Paul said in our text, Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 14, he says we will not be influenced when people, when people try to trick us with lies so clever that they sound like the truth. The writer of Hebrews wrote, we must constantly warn each other so that that none of us will be deceived by sin. The last few weeks I have been overwhelmed in my spirit. There's been an uneasiness in my heart. And I've been overwhelmed in my spirit about people who, who sit in church, some of them in our church, Sunday after Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, and yet they're on their way to hell. People that have even allowed themselves to become deceived into thinking that, that they are going to heaven when they die when, when, when there is absolutely no fruit of their, of their lives in their lives that bear this out. Jesus said in Matthew chapter seven, verse 18 through 20, he said, "A good tree produces good fruit." And he said, "A bad tree produces bad fruit." And he went on to say, "A good fruit cannot produce bad fruit." Fruit and a bad tree cannot produce good fruit. And he went on to say just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, so you can identify people by their actions. It would literally break my heart if somehow I was responsible for somebody going to hell because I failed to preach. The truth. I would rather be, people become angry at me. I would rather people call me old-fashioned oh, oh, than for me to somehow be responsible by not telling the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. And they find themselves in the horrible place called hell. And the truth of the matter is this morning you cannot consistently break God's laws and get away with it. You cannot make up your own rules. You cannot pick and choose the scriptures that you want to live by. You cannot take scripture out of context and place it with another scripture taken out of context and make God say something that he did not say. And this is exactly what is happening today. This is exactly what is becoming rampant in the world and even in the church today. Satan is the master of sly He is the master of deception He's good at telling lies so cleverly That they sound like the truth When I hear some of the lies That is even being propagated by some of our pulpits in America today And I think, oh, but I wish they were right Oh, I wish they were true Oh, I wish I could preach that That would make me a whole lot more popular God has not called me to become popular. But He's given me the awesome, incredible responsibility of imparting to you the truth. Amen. I can't make you listen to the truth. I cannot make you walk in truth. But listen, it is my responsibility to give you the truth and that's what you're going to receive. Amen. Amen. To oh, so Romans chapter 6 verse 18 says, By smooth words and flattering speech they deceive the heart's of the simple. Matthew 24 and 24 says false prophets will arise and deceive even God's elect. Can I tell you that even some stalwarts in the faith, some of the greatest men and women of God that have lived for God for years are buying into lies today. If there's ever been a day when God's people needed to be alert if there's ever been a day when God's people need to be standing guard over their heart and over their mind it is today it's not a day to let your spiritual guard down it's not a day to become careless and loose with your faith second Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 15 says stand firm And keep a strong grip on the teachings you have been taught. 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 13 and 14 says, Hold on to wholesome teaching. Carefully guard the truth that has been imparted to you. Proverbs 23 and 23 says, Buy the truth and do not. As I was thinking about what the Lord wanted me to say today and I was thinking in this line of thinking was reminded in the book of Exodus where God's people are slaves to Pharaoh in Egypt. And you know the story how God sends Moses to Pharaoh to demand the release of God's people so that they can go into the wilderness and they can offer worship to their God. Now Pharaoh is a type of of Satan, And his response to Moses is a clear picture of how Satan tries to deceive us with cleverly worded lies that appeal to our flesh. So there are four separate responses. As, as Moses goes uh, to Pharaoh and he demands the release of the people of God, as he stands before Pharaoh and he says, God demands, let my people go there are four responses that pharaoh responds with as moses demands the release of the people of god and as moses stands before pharaoh and demands the release of god's people the first response that pharaoh had for moses is he said to him he said you can serve god and remain in bondage You can serve God and remain in bondage. Exodus chapter 8 and verse 25. Pharaoh says to Moses, go ahead and offer sacrifices to your God. Go ahead and worship your God. Go ahead and sacrifice uh, to your God. Pharaoh said, but do it right here in this land. What was Pharaoh saying to Moses? He was saying you can serve God and remain in bondage. You don't have to... Leave Egypt to serve God? You you don't have to leave me to serve God. Sound like anyone you know? Sounds like Satan, doesn't it? Oh, oh, he says, go ahead and go to church if you must. Oh, play the little religious game. Oh, hang out with your little church friends. Oh, it's okay. Sit through the service. I'll tip your hat at God. Sing in the choir if you must. I'll throw a throw a couple Washingtons in the basket as it goes by. I'll do the song and dance on Sunday, but hurry back to me as soon as the preacher is preach is through preaching. Go ahead and have premarital sex. Go ahead and, and get drunk. Go ahead and keep lying and cheating and stealing. Uh, hey, hey, it's okay. You can serve God right here in Egypt. And then you can serve God right here uh, with me. You can serve God and remain in bondage. You can hold hands with God and me at the same time. Hold on to your sinful habits and ungodly lifestyle. Oh, you can have a little bit of God and a little bit of me at the same time. It's all right. Go ahead and serve your God. But just do it right here. Let me ask you this this morning. Why did Lot's wife look back at Sodom even though she was strictly warned not to? Because even though the angel was successful in getting Lot's wife out of Sodom, he could not get Sodom out of Lot's wife. Several years ago, the owner of a very popular, at that time, pornographic magazine, claimed to have become born again, claimed to become a Christian. He was interviewed, and they asked him, well, what is this Christianity going to do About your pornographic magazine. What are you going to do about this pornographic magazine? Oh, he said, I'm still going to print the magazine. But he said, I'm going to put a religious article in every month's issue. What was he saying? He was saying, I can serve God and remain in Egypt. He was saying, I can serve God and remain in bondage. He was saying, I can serve God and keep my sin. I ask you this morning, what does God say about all of this in his word? 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 17 says, Come out from un- among unbelievers, separate yourselves from their sins, says the Lord. Do not touch their filthy things, and I will welcome you. And First John chapter 2 and verse 15 says, Do not love the world. Do not love the things of the world. And if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. The devil says, You can serve God and remain in bondage. God says, No, you can't. Amen. No, you can't. Notice the second response Pharaoh has for Moses. That doesn't work, and Moses comes before Pharaoh again and says, God says, let my people go. Pharaoh said, You don't have to overdo it. You, you don't have to overdo it. Exodus chapter 8 and verse 28 Pharaoh says to Moses, Okay, you can go, just don't go very far. You can go, just don't go very far. Hey, Mo, maybe you can just barely cross the border. Stay as close to Egypt as possible. Stay close enough for me to, to still see you and me to be able to keep my eye on you. Sound like anyone you know? Sounds a lot like the devil, doesn't it? See, see, he doesn't mind if we dabble in religion just a little bit. He doesn't care. Maybe we just stick our big toe in, our, in the spiritual water. Maybe we can recite the Lord's Prayer. Maybe we can become a good neighbor. Oh, maybe we can learn the Ten Commandments. He says, all right, if you must, man, if you must... Oh, if you must go, go ahead and go, but don't go very far. You don't have to overdo it, man. Oh, you don't have to get carried away. By all means, don't make any commitment to God. Don't make any commitment. Oh, do not become faithful to the church. Oh, oh, he says to us, it's okay to listen to the sermon. Oh, it's okay. But you don't need to actually do anything about it. Don't start reading your Bible or praying or going to those cultivation classes on Wednesday night where they actually study the Bible. He says to us, okay, if you have to go, you can go if you have to, but just don't go too far. You don't have to over, overdo it. And how many people listen to the slyness of Satan? Well, obviously a lot according to the Apostle Paul. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 1, he says, Dear brothers and sisters, he says, When I was with you, he said, I couldn't talk to you, uh, I couldn't talk to you like you were spiritual people or mature in your faith. Well, I love him. He said, I had to minister to you as if you were spiritual infants. I, I wanted to feed you meal, meat, but I had to feed you milk. Did you hear what the Apostle... The Apostle Paul called the Corinthian Christians a bunch of babies. (laughs) Yes, he did. I just read it. He called the Corinthian church a bunch of babies. Evidently, Paul was a bulldog too. And the writer of Hebrews said the very same thing in Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 12. He said, you've been believers long enough, he said, that you ought to be teaching others. Instead, he said, you still need somebody to teach you the very basics of faith. He says, you are like babies who need milk and cannot eat solid food. While the writer of Hebrews also called the saints a bunch of babies. You didn't think I was sweet. I've never called you a bunch of babies. Jesus called people whitewashed sepulchers. I've never done that. I'm just, you just don't know how tame I am. <laughs> hey, I don't know about you, but it sounds to me like Satan is very effective in his slyness. Yeah. He's convinced too many saints all oh, that it's okay to be complacent in their faith, that it's okay to remain spiritually immature. No need to grow in your faith, no need to mature spiritually, all to the point that you actually become an asset to God and His church. Oh, he has uh, conditioned people that it's okay to just remain an infant. Oh, and just, became, just remain immature and be babies in Christ. And it's a little bit enticing, you know, because infants, you know, have no responsibilities, there's no expectations. You don't go to your infant in the morning and wake them up and say, get up, get ready for work. you gotta, you got to contribute to this family. Think <laughs> like you can just lay there? <laughs> they don't have any responsibilities. There's no expectations placed on babies. All they're expected to do is goo a little. And if they goo a little and have a little tiny, oh, I think I saw a smile. I'm not sure. Yeah, I think I did. And just a little goo and a little tiny smile. Oh, and parents will feed them and burp them and change their dirty diapers. Oh, everything is given to them, everything is done for them. All they have to do is lay around and look cute. Some of them can't even do that. Sorry. But it's okay. Right? It's okay. They're infants. They are babies. Oh, but as they are fed, they begin to grow and they begin to mature and they begin to develop. Oh, God expects the same out of His kids. He expects them to grow. He expects them to mature. He expects them to develop. He expects us oh, to take what we have been taught from his word And start implementing that into our lives And then as we do then we will begin to grow And we will begin to mature And then we will begin to develop And then he expects us to take what we have learned from others And teach it yet to others Second Timothy 2 and 2 Paul writes to Timothy and he said He said what you have learned from me He says I want you to pass that on to others Who will then pass it on to others Let me make this personal this morning. Where are you in your spiritual maturity? Where are you in your spiritual maturity? Have you barely crossed over the line from sin into salvation? Hey, hey that's okay if you just recently got saved. Oh, but if you've been saved for a long time and yet you're still barely across the line, if you've been saved for a long time and yet you're still on the spiritual bottle, You still have to be bottle fed. You still have to be coddled. You still carry, you know, you still carry your feelings around with you all over, you know. They're all over your shoulders and you're all upset because somebody bumps you. You know what? We all cry. We all cry. You know what? Babies just cry for any reason. You know, they cry to get attention because they're hungry or they're, or, or they're soiled and, and they cry out, you know. And it's okay because they're, they're babies. And, and, and you never get too old but watch you cry. We all cry. But it takes more to make us cry today than it when we were a baby. We all get our feelings hurt. But it should take more for us today than it did five years ago if we've been serving God. We all want our own way. That's just our selfish nature. But as we walk with God and we mature with God, we understand that it's not all about us. As a baby Christian, we think church ought to be all about us. It ought to be all about us. But as we mature in the Lord, we ought to understand that it's not all about us. I hate to... Pop your balloon this morning, but this service is not all about you today. It's not all about you. And yet you'll go home and you'll grumble and you'll complain and you'll pick it apart and you'll have your little criticism and whatever. It's not about you. It's supposed to be about him. Are you doing anything for God? Well, I'm here, ain't I? You're just here to get encouraged. Am I encouraging you this morning? (laughs) (laughs) You're here this morning to worship. You're here this morning to become equipped, amen, so that you can do something for the Lord. I can't follow you to your work tomorrow. I can't follow you to Albertson's to the grocery store. I can't follow you to the dentist or the doctor. I can't follow you around and be there for you. So I must equip you with the equipment that you need so that you can be light in a dark place. Amen. God, as you're here this morning, to worship him, yes, but also to become equipped and empowered so that you can leave this place, amen, and go do something with what you've heard. Are you involved in the work of the Lord at all? Well, I don't preach or teach or sing. Well, then please don't preach or teach or sing. You'll do us all a favor. That's not your gift. You know? I was playing golf with a buddy the other day. I was off the green, and I said, you know, I said, the, the pros, you know, they'll just say, well, I'm going to chip this in. You know? they'll do, it. And they will. They'll do it. I mean, you just, you just chip it in all the time. Man, you know, they just, and they make it look easy. And my friend, he's a good friend. He said, yeah, but, he said, uh, they don't get whole hole in one when they stand up to preach. <laughs> I'm going to play golf with him more often. Amen. Let <laughs> me ask you this morning, has the devil deceived you with his slyness? Have you listened to him when he said, Oh, if you have to go, okay, but just don't go very far. You don't have to overdo it. Notice the next thing Pharaoh said to Moses. Moses isn't buying what Pharaoh's selling. He's not listening to what Pharaoh. He's not, he's, he keeps coming back. He said, God says, let God's just letting my people go. And notice this response that Pharaoh gives to Moses. Says, He says, worship doesn't have to be a family affair. Worship doesn't have to be a family affair. Exodus chapter 10, verse 11. Pharaoh says to Moses, only the men can go. I'll let you go, but only the men. See, Pharaoh knew that the best way to weaken this great nation was to divide the family. And he knew that the men of Israel wouldn't get very far without their wives. And in their culture, the women did most of the work. Little has changed, right, ladies? I love the story of the rich man that got tired of everybody, you know, talking about his wealth and living on easy street and snob hill and everything. So he has a big old party. And he gathers all of his friends together in this big party. And he fills his swimming pool full of alligators. And he gathers all of his friends around the swimming pool. And he says, guys, I'm tired of you always... Making light of the fact that I'm rich and always had money and don't know what, you know, life is really... See, I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to let every single one of you have an opportunity to become rich. He says, I've stocked this swimming pool full of live alligators. And he says, I'm going to count to three and the first one that jumps into the pool and swims to the other side without getting eaten up by the alligators, I'm going to give them $1 million. You have the opportunity to become a millionaire today. Oh, everybody wanted to, but live alligators. million dollars for live alligators. (laughs) All of a sudden, there's a splash, and there's a man in the water, and he's down under one alligator, and he's up over the next, and he's down under one, and over the next, and out over the next, and up on the next, and he pulls himself up and crawls out on the other side. And the rich man runs around to him and says, Man, I can't believe it. I never in my wildest dreams imagined somebody would actually do this. I said, man, you have anything to say? He said, Who pushed me in? <laughs> it was his wife. Behind every good man? (laughs) Pharaoh knew the best way to weaken the nation of Israel was to divide the family. So he said to Moses, only the men. Only the men can go. The devil knows that the best way to weaken the church is to divide the family. And so the devil says, worship doesn't have to be a family affair. Let those in the family who want to go to church go. Let the rest stay home or go to the lake or go to the ball field. Church is no big deal. You can take it or you can leave it. If one child is sick, the entire family can stay home. Uh Uh-oh, preacher, you've... You stop preaching and go on to meddling now. Sometimes I meddle better than I preach. Amen. Seriously. Worship does need to be a family affair. Dads, you should be the priest of your home. You should be the leader, the spiritual leader of your home. And you should make the same proclamation that Joshua made. He said, as for me and my house. What about free choice? If they're under your house, they have no free choice. Your kids want free choice? Tell them, move out, pay your own rent, buy your own gas. Amen. Pay your own utilities, buy your own groceries. Joshua said, ask for me and my house. We're going to serve the Lord. My house is going to be a godly home. And that's what you need to declare today, men. And that is that your house is going to be a godly house. Amen. Amen. And that sin will not be tolerated in your house. I will monitor what my family watches on TV, the man should say. And what they do on Facebook. And if you're not savvy with that, find someone you trust and let them help you with it. But you need to know what they're doing. Because it ain't all good. Some of it's downright wicked. And you need to monitor what they watch on TV and what they do on Facebook amen, and, and social media in every area, and you need to monitor the books they read? Don't yeah. just take for granted that they're reading C-Spot Run, and they probably don't even have that anymore. <laughs> and, it be, and it starts real early. You better read their book. You better look at their Textbook. I monitor their relationships. Yes. Yes. I monitor the clothes they wear. Yes. Amen. They can be cool, but they gotta be godly. Amen. Amen. <laughs> I hadn't picked on my daughter in a while, have I? <laughs> I just I just see her sitting there, it's not even in my notes, but she come waltzing out of her room one day in her little short dress. I said, Krista Ray, that dress is either too short or you're too far down in it. <laughs> March yourself in that bedroom and change your clothes. Oh, Daddy. I'll monitor their relationships. I will not allow ungodly friends to drag my kids down with them. And I'm going to be their parent, not their best friend. You can be buddies with your kids once they become adults. Right now they need a parent. And if your kid's 13 and likes you, I wonder. I'll get my own life in order so I can be a good role model for them and teach them by example. I'm going to treat their mother with utmost respect and lead her spiritually as well. And ladies, if your husband won't lead, where is no longer in the picture, you must step up to the plate and do what he should be doing. Because if Satan's mission statement is to steal and to kill and to destroy, oh, then we better step up our game and we better go to war for the salvation of our kids. And we better instill reverse peer pressure where we so fill their lives with Jesus and church and godly influences they don't have time to sin. And we must be the real deal. We must walk the walk, not just talk the talk. And this might be a stuck record, but it's still going to be stuck for another time or two. We must be very, very careful what we say around them. Under no circumstances should parents vent their negative or bitter feelings toward the church or toward the leadership of the church around their kids? How can we expect our kids to grow up loving our God and loving His church if they have had to listen to their parents bash them for years? Got a problem with the leadership of the church? Be man enough or woman enough make an appointment and go sit down with somebody that can make a difference. And very godly and kindly in the right spirit and the right heart state your problem. Yes. Amen. Amen. But by under no circumstances vent your bitterness, your anger, your disapproval about your church or its leadership if you want your kids to grow up loving church and coming to church. And that's good preaching. Woo. Amen. Amen. Set your kids up for spiritual success, not failure. Let's look at the last response Pharaoh had for Moses and his demand of the release of God's people. He said an investment in worship is not necessary. Moses comes before Pharaoh, says, "Let my people go!" Pharaoh says, All right, but an investment in, let let us go so we can worship is what he said. Let us go so we can worship. And Pharaoh said an investment in worship is not necessary. You can go, but you don't need to make an investment in worship. Say, preacher, where do you get that? Exodus chapter 10, verse 24. Pharaoh says to Moses, all right, you can go, but leave your flocks and your herds behind. See, Pharaoh knew that they would have nothing to offer to their God if they didn't take their animals with them. And Satan is still talking the same old lie today. He says to the saints, an investment in worship is not necessary. Don't pay your tithe. Don't give offerings. You need that money to pay bills with. You need it more than the church does. Look around at the people. that's there. He said, let them carry the financial load. He says to them, oh, all you need to do, oh, is sing and shout and dance about. That can be your contribution An investment in worship Is not necessary But it is But it is In 2 Samuel chapter 24 King David wanted to worship He wanted to worship The problem was he had nothing to worship with Arana offered to give David Everything he would need for worship But David refused his gifts In verse 24, King David said to Arana, he said, no, no, I will not receive your gifts. He said, but I will buy them from you for a price. He says, because I will not offer burnt offering to the Lord. I will not worship the Lord my God, he said, with something that doesn't cost me anything. David knew that costless worship not true worship. I'm going to let that sink in. Costless worship is not true worship. Amen. True worship will cost you something. Amen. You might say, well, Pastor, what, what should we invest in, in in our worship? Three things, very, very briefly, and then I'm done this one. First of all, our time. See, time is the most valuable currency we have. It takes time to come to the house of the Lord. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, you know, it takes time, you know, to get up and, and, and groom yourself. And, well, some of you don't take a lot of time, but uh, <laughs> just kidding, all right? Just keeping you awake, all right? Just... Amen. Thank you, Lord. Hey, hey, it takes time to go to the house of worship. It takes time to be a volunteer and be involved. An investment of our time shows how valuable we think something is. Psalm 122 and 1, the psalmist said, I was glad when they said to me, let's go to the house of the Lord. Hebrews 10 and 25 says, Do not neglect the gathering together of the saints as some are doing. Not only should we invest our time, but we should invest our talent. Our talent. We're looking for talent right now. We're looking for ability. We're looking for gifts. We don't need anybody to preach. We need a lot of things around the house of the Lord that need to be it takes it's amazing what it takes just to open the doors on Sunday morning. And God expects us to use our talents for more than just making a living. But he expects us to use them in his work as well. And then number three, we need to invest our treasure. You knew that was coming, didn't you? I'm just going to hit it and run. Malachi 3 and 10, bring your tithe into the storehouse so the needs of my house may be met, says the Lord. Yeah. See, here's what we need to understand. Where we invest our money is a good indicator of what is most important in our lives. Right. Amen. Jesus said, where you place your treasure, he said, you'll also find your heart. If we get the worship team back in place this morning. Please stay connected with me. What was the response of Moses to Pharaoh? Exodus chapter 10 and verse 25. No, Moses said. You must provide us with animals for sacrifices and burnt offerings to the Lord our God. He went on to say, he said, all of our livestock must go with us too. Not even a hoof. Not even one hoof be left behind. Moses refused to be deceived by Pharaoh. He was leaving Egypt, and he was taking all of God's people with him. He was taking the men with him. He was taking the women with him. He was taking the children with him. And the livestock was coming too. There wouldn't even be even one hoof left behind. I ask you this morning, how about you? Have you been deceived by the master of sly? The master of sly who is cunning and deceitful and sneaky. The liar that is so good at lying, he knows how to lie and make it sound like the truth. The one that can take the truth and twist it just so slightly. Make it sound good. And when it appeals to the flesh, oh, we like it. We like it. My heart is burdened this morning. My heart is burdened. It's just two messages in a row, kind of like this. My heart is burdened. Listen, we can build a church of a thousand. And if lives aren't being changed and people aren't being set free from their sin, We're not fulfilling our purpose. Not interested in building the crowd. I'm interested in building the church. And there's a difference. There's a difference. And I love you. And I love you enough to tell you the truth. Even when it hurts. Even when you don't want to hear it. Even when it comes knocking on your door. Let me just tell you that often I have to pray through before I preach. See, I'm all prayed up, and I get up here, see. And so I'm okay, because I've prayed through over all i preached about. Not perfect. You know that. Most of you really know it. My heart is burdened. We would not just be hearers of the word, but we'd be doers. Pastor, but what about all this grace? Oh, thank God for this grace. But it's not a license to sin. The grace is, no matter how much we sin, he still loves us and still ready for us to repent and forgive us and cleanse us. Can we stand in his presence today? Musicians are playing very, very softly this morning. Every head is bowed and every eye is closed today. This is the most important part of this service. I wonder if you're here this morning. Just as Pharaoh offered Moses, which is a picture of the devil offering us. He says you can serve God and stay in Egypt. You don't have to leave Egypt to serve God. You can serve God right here. And that's what you tried to do. You tried to live in your sin. Stay in your sin. And have a relationship with God that doesn't work. And if you think it's working, you're deceived. I wonder if your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed. How many this morning? No one is looking about this morning. You say, Pastor, I've been doing exactly that. I, I've been trying to walk with God but hold on to my sin too. Today I'm ready to leave Egypt. Today I'm let, ready to leave my sin behind and walk with God and only God. I want to repent of my sin this morning. I have sin in my life, and I want to to repent of it. I want to forsake it. I'm not going to return to it. I'm leaving Egypt, and I'm leaving it behind. I'm leaving my sin behind. I'm going to walk with God. If you're here this morning, and that is you. Lift your hand up really, really high, and hold it up until I acknowledge that you've lifted your hand all over this room. Thank you. I think actually this person's just worshiping the Lord, so I'm not going to mislead you. Anyone in this room this morning? God bless you, young man. You can put your hand down. Thank you. How many this morning? How many others today? This is your opportunity to come clean with God today. God has been talking to the heart of somebody the last two Sundays. I don't know if he'll talk to you next Sunday or the next, or the next. I don't know. But he's talking to you today. He dealt with you last Sunday. You did not respond. He's dealing with you again today. I would encourage you to respond today. Lift your hand up really high and acknowledge that I've described you today. Thank you in the back. God bless you. You can put your hand down. Anyone else this morning? Let me, let me recognize you've lifted your hand. Anyone else today? Anyone else? God bless you. Thank you. Young lady, you can put your hand down. Thank you. Anyone else today? I have sin in my life. I have sin in my life. I need to get get it under the blood today. I need to get I need to repent and get it get it washed in the blood today. Can I see your hand all over this room? Hey, Pastor I'm unsure or I'm, I'm not sure if, I'm, if, you're, if you're not sure that means you're unsure you need to be sure anyone else I'm, I know I'm taking just a moment but this is that serious today alright I wonder if you're here this morning your heads are still bowed your eyes are still closed nobody's going to see you this morning you say Pastor i become guilty of complacency I've been just going through the motions I've been kind of sitting on the bench. I've been a bench warmer. It's time to get off the bench and get in the game. I've been complacent. I don't want to be complacent anymore. I want to see your hand all over the room. Anyone? Thank you. God bless you in the back. You can put your hand down. In the front, you can put your hand down. How many others this morning? Thank you in the back. God bless you. How many others this morning? I've been complacent. I've been complacent. alright your heads are bowed your eyes are still closed how many of you men would say pastor I have not been leading my family spiritually I have not been leading my family spiritually God bless you you can put your hand down how many others this morning how many other men would have enough guts be mature enough to lift your hands I've not been leading either I've allowed my wife to lead or there's just nobody been leading lately God bless you in the back thank you you can put your hand down I've not been leading my family I've not been leading my family How many of you this morning, as your heads are bowed still and eyes are still closed, no one is looking about, you say, Pastor, by lifting your hand, you are saying, Pastor, I haven't been making an investment in worship. I haven't been making an investment in my walk with God, and I want to begin to make an investment. God bless you, sir. You can put your hand down. How many others this morning? I, I want to begin to make an investment. Whether that is with my time, whether that is with my talents, whether that is with my finances. All three, but maybe there's one area that you've been slack in. Let me just tell you that this is the grace place and we love everybody and we have grace for everyone. No matter what a person looks like, no matter what a person acts like, we will love them, we will embrace them, we will accept them, we will love on them. That doesn't mean we're not going to preach the truth. And that doesn't mean that we're not going to have standards in our church. It just means that our love is all-encompassing. God's love is all-encompassing, but he still has some pretty rigid uh, guidelines for us to live our lives by. Amen? And I made this statement last Sunday, but some of you weren't here. I'd rather oversave you than undersave you. A man in my church in Midland came up to me after church one day, and he said, Pastor, nobody can live up to your preaching. I called him by name, and I said, I don't expect them to. I said, I learned a long time ago that if I preach a 7, people will live a 5. If I preach a, an 8, they'll live a 6. If I preach a 10, some of them will live, live a 7, 8, or 9. I want you living as close to Jesus as possible. I'm going to set the bar high, but I won't set the bar any higher than the Word of God. Several lifted their hand for one reason or another. I want everyone that lifted their hand to come, but I want everyone else to come with them so they're not singled out. So everyone, will you come to the front? Especially those of you that lifted your hand this morning, you come, but I want everyone to come this morning. There's just something special about coming to the front and coming into the presence of the Lord. This is the altar area. And there's just something about moving forward. Moving forward. I know there's nothing magical in a place or whatever, but it's really it's us moving toward God with our heart. That's what it's all about. It's not whether we stand or kneel. It's about the condition of our heart. If you raise your hand today, you have sin in your life, I want you to pray this prayer with me this morning. I want everyone to pray it with me. Repeat it as I pray, but pray it from your heart, not just from your lips. Pray, Heavenly Father, I have sin in my life. I confess my sin. I repent of my sin. I'm sorry for my sin. I ask you to forgive me of my sin. Wash me in the blood of Jesus today. I thank you for grace, thank you for grace. Unmerited, favor. unmerited favor. But I thank you for their sustaining grace as well. Grace. And I pray for your sustaining grace today. Help me walk the walk, not just talk the talk, In Jesus' name. Father, I just pray for everyone today that prayed this prayer. I also pray for every individual that came this morning for any reason. They answered any part of the altar call today. God, I just pray today, God, that you will do your work, God. You will do your work. Holy Spirit, I ask at the beginning of the message, and I ask again today, Holy Spirit, would you do what I am unable to do? Holy Spirit, would you would you convict the heart and the life of your people? Holy Spirit, would you woo Lord, our hearts toward God. Holy Spirit, would you give us a desire to be pleasing to God? Help us leave this room today changed by the mighty power of God. In Jesus' name. Amen. Just a moment or so, I just want you to take some time just one on one, just you and God I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be quiet, I'm not going to lead you or guide you or help you, I want you just one on one just time with God whatever resonated in your heart in this message today seam in it, seam in it in your heart today, in your one on one time with God, right now Please be patient with me. You know I don't just drag things on. But I am so moved in my spirit today. And I think the Lord wants to say to someone today, you're letting someone else drag you down. You want to serve God? You want to live for God? You want to do what's right? You know what's right? You know what you're doing is wrong? And you have a desire to please God? You know you're not pleasing God right now? You know what you're doing right now is sin, and you and, and you don't want to do it, but you're allowing someone else to drag you down, some relationship. I beg of you, I plead of you, do not allow some other person to drag you down spiritually. Don't let someone take you to hell with them. I know that's strong. I understand that's strong. That's what I feel in my spirit. That's what I feel in my heart. Make up your own mind, the Lord would say. Make up your own mind. Follow your heart, not the heart of another. This is your opportunity. This is your day. God dealt with you last Sunday. You shrugged it off. He dealt with you again this Sunday. Don't shrug it off. Next Sunday, we'll move in a total different direction. God's dealing with you right now. Thank you, Jesus. Can we just take one moment, then I, I promise I'll move on, but that's how strong I feel. Can we just all take one moment and just ask and unite and believe in prayer that this whoever I don't know who it is, but whoever this individual will hear the plea And hear the urgency in my voice and in my heart. It's not coming from me. It's coming from the Father. Can we pray right now? God, please deal with this. God, give this person the courage. Give them the desire. Lord, we fight for their soul today. We fight for their soul today. We fight for their soul today. Satan, you cannot have their soul. Satan, you cannot have their soul. You cannot have their soul. We're standing our ground. We're standing firm. We're standing in faith. We're believing. And God, we just beg and plead of you, oh God, that your love and your mercy and your grace will continue to be extended, Father. Father, in the name of Jesus, praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Raised. Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 that supernaturally from time to time he will speak in the church. He will give one individual in the church the gift of tongues. A tongue, a language they've not learned themselves but supernaturally has been given to them by the Holy Spirit. And to someone else he will give the interpretation of that message in tongues. And through that tongue and through that interpretation, God supernaturally speaks. God is so invested in your soul today. He is so interested in your soul today that he has chosen not only to use the message through the pastor today, but he has also supernaturally chosen to speak. I encourage you to heed. I encourage you today, if there is sin in your life, now is the time now now while the Holy Spirit is wooing you while he's convicting you while he's there for you now I don't want to be redundant but I don't want to miss God either God wants to do something right now Now now's your time I'm going to give you 30 seconds and then we're going to close the service this morning this is your time this is your time there's sin in your life, get it under the blood. Repent. Ask the Lord to forgive you. Repentance doesn't just mean I'm sorry, or I'm sorry I got caught. It means I'm sorry that I sinned, and I'm not going to do it again through the help and the grace of God. 30 seconds, your time, and then we're done. Everybody sing Jesus at the center of it all. Jesus at the center of it all from beginning to the end, it will always be